30, uh, yeah, Psalm 37. I think, is someone reading it for me? Well, thank you, Richard. Psalm 37, and Richard's going to read it for us. Thank you. Yeah, there was a distinct lack of volunteers in the house this morning, so I'm doing it. Nice long one. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> okay, Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn of just, the justice of your cause, like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and the needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of the many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord, and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster they will not wither. In days of famine they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies will be like the beauty of the field. They will vanish, vanish like smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be cut off. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely, their children will be blessed. Turn from evil and do good, and you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever but the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom and his tongue speaks what is just. The law of his God is in his heart. His feet do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, seeking their very lives. But the Lord will not leave them in their power or let them be condemned when brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land when the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a green tree in its native soil, but he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless, observe the upright. There is a future for the man of peace, but all sinners will be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helped him and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. 
Thank you, Richard. There's a lot there. I was, was, I was trying to cut it down so you didn't have to read all that, but I wanted to use all the verses, really. We're on. So the joys have been uh, full-time. I now have time to make slideshows. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Um, yeah, so uh, I've got a few slides for you this morning. Thank you, Kevin, for opening up this morning. Um, that verse that we were talking about, how God it has knit us in our, in, our, in our mother's wombs, is one of my favourites that I use um, in town. So yesterday we were out in town sharing the gospel, and um, that's one of the verses that I was sharing with people. Everyone that was walking past um, would have heard that God actually did create them. And what a wonderful truth that is. So um, I've got some homework for you. <laughs> this Psalm 37 is full of some wonderful promises of God. And what I think is good is what I've done. I've underlined some of these verses. So I've, I've looked over this myself in my personal study time and I've underlined some of them and as you just look down it's just it's really encouraging to do that trust in the Lord and do good and he will give you your heart's desires commit everything you do to the Lord trust him and he will help you be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act it's better to be godly and have little than to be evil and rich the Lord takes care of the godly their inheritance lasts forever. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. The godly are generous givers. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they never fall. The Lord holds them by the hand. Turn from evil and do good, and you will live in the land forever. Put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along his path. Look at those who are honest and good, for a wonderful future awaits them. There's some really encouraging verses there, isn't there, in this psalm. Um, so yeah, I would encourage you just to, just to underline some of those yourselves when you get some time at home. So we're looking at the inheritance of the righteous and the calamity of the wicked. So obviously we know the psalm's written by David, and it's written by David in his old age. It says so in, in verse 25. Um, once I was young, and now I am old. And like any mature believer, um, I was going to look at Vic, but Vic's not here. I'm sh he, he's a, ma a mature believer, I would have thought. Um, those who, who have been through suffering, just like David, could see um, Harry was suffering, and he took the long view of life rather than the immediate view. So rather than worrying about what he's going through at the minute, he could look into the future and, and see that there was um, a great reward waiting for him, even though he was suffering at this time. He looked at the eternal reward rather than what, we, what he was going through in his life at the time. He encourages uh, believers, the people who believe in God, about God's promises, and he encourages them to wait on him. David only gave one negative instruction in this psalm, and that was don't worry. And he says in verse 1 and verse 7, do not worry. And he gives them four encouraging reassurances to believers. So I've not got three points, which is a, a usual thing for, for a normal sermon. I've got four points today to look at. 
Trust in the Lord, as it says in verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Repeatedly, David tells us that trusting in God and his word alone brings stability. Verse 25, I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. I remember thinking when I was, um, I, I started uh, coming back to church um, after I'd been away. And I looked around at my friends at the time. They were all going out partying and things. And I really wanted to go out with them. I didn't want to be left out. But I knew that I needed to trust in God and not envy those who were doing these wrong things. And in the end, he will help me out. And he did help me. I trusted in, in him that he had better things for me to do rather than going out into pubs and things. Verse 16 says, A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. The Lord takes care of the godly. Day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent, and they will receive an inheritance which lasts forever. Verse 19, even in hard times, they will have more than enough. The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers, not just giving money, but giving time, spending time with people who, who are in need of, of a, uh, maybe a shoulder to cry on or some listening ears. Turn from evil and do good and you will live in the land forever. For the, Lord's, the Lord loves justice and he will never abandon the godly. He will keep them safe forever. The godly offer good counsel. They teach right from wrong. Verse 37, those who are honest and good, a wonderful future awaits for those who love peace. All those are about trusting God, all about trusting in the Lord. In verse 1, David, David also says that we should not fret. Do not fret. So fret means to be constantly or visibly anxious. And also not to be angry. We remember when Jesus was, not, was mocked and he was put upon the cross. He wasn't angry. A fretful heart is not a trusting heart because it lacks joy and peace. It's not easy, is it? It's not easy to be, to be not fretful. It's not easy to be joyful and peaceful at all times. When we think about trusting God in difficult times, we may remember um, in, in Ruth, Ruth chapter 1, God's people left the land they were living in as they thought he wasn't providing for them because there was a famine in the land. But here, David is urging people to stay and trust God for their needs. Maybe we fret today because of the price of food. It's gone up massively, hasn't it? Uh, we're worried about the price of food in shops, maybe the gas and electric, all these things we might fret about, might we? Since we can trust God, we should not fret. And since God understands our situations, we should not fear. We can be satisfied that God will make all things work for our good. We should not be upset at what we see in the world, what we look at in the world and how bad things are happening in the world. We should not be upset at what, what we see in the world, different agendas that people are pushing. We see it all the time, don't we? How many genders there are and, and um, you know, all these things we see in, in the media, gay pride and things like that. We shouldn't be upset about these things. Something that I get a little bit annoyed with is when I see the Jehovah's Witnesses going out on the streets 
uh, and when they're knocking on doors or when they're standing in town, it gets me a little bit annoyed, but I know that I need to trust God, that he will not let them uh, deceive people, really, anymore. A fretful spirit is open to temptations, maybe to take strength from worldly things rather than from what the Bible says. I remember I was in town, um, verse 8 says, um, don't lose temper and it leads to harm. I remember I was in town a few weeks ago with, um, with Nigel and we were talking to the Jehovah's Witnesses and we were asking them questions, asking them to explain things to us. And this, this young girl, she couldn't answer our questions and she got cross with us and she told us to leave. And we, 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 you know, we were kind and loving and we said, we're not going to leave. We've got much right to be here just as much as you have. And she got really cross and she started pushing us away. Um, and that's, a, that's, that's not something that the Bible tells us to do, is it? We shouldn't be losing our temper. She did come back later and apologise. Um, but after she left, um, she came back and, and she brought us a packet of biscuits. <laughs> she obviously felt guilty. Um, Verse 2 says, For like grass they will soon fade away, like spring flowers they will soon wither. Verse 9 says, The evildoers will be cut off, the wicked will disappear. So when we look into the world and how unrighteous, uh, how the unrighteous people might prosper, we, we as Christians have much more to gain, don't we? What he, what he has in store for us is greater than what the world has to offer us. It comes from the hand of our loving God. God provides plentifully for our needs. We have much more than wealth. We can have peace of mind, peace with God, and also peace in God. Peace against God's wrath. There's no need to worry if we've done something wrong, because God loves us and he sent his son to forgive us. I remember when I was driving a lorry, um, we get sent down some stupid lanes and asked to go in some really tight driveways. And I remember, well, I've, I've, promised, I've damaged the, the lorry quite a few times probably, trying to squeeze in. And I remember this one occasion, I, was, I bent the bumper quite badly on my lorry. And I thought, oh no, I'm going to get into big trouble. Um, it was just before Christmas, it was quite a few years ago. And I was worried, oh no, he's going to sack me or something like that. Um, so I, I went back to the yard and obviously I pointed it out to him and he said, oh, that looks all right. We, we, I'm sure we can straighten it, not a problem. So I was worried for no reason. Um, and it's sim- it might be similar with God, but we, we, uh, the, the punishment would be much worse if we've not a- asked Jesus to forgive us for the things we've done wrong. If we don't have peace with God, we might be in, in line for a much greater punishment. The peace which the world cannot give, the peace which the world cannot have. God knows our days and our good works won't go unrewarded. Heavenly happiness is forever. Um, And we can take that with us today, can't we? When we're going through tough times, uh, when we see ungodly people uh, maybe prospering, doing better than us. Heavenly, Heavenly happiness, our heavenly reward is forever. Those who rest on the rock of God have no reason to envy the wicked, for their days are numbered. Trust in the Lord and do good. We must make God our hope so we can live safely in this world. We are required to trust in him and do good, to feed on his faithfulness. Faith means forsaking all, I trust him. Rely on his favour, on his providence, his promises, 
his grace and his care. We must serve him and our generation according to his will, according to what the Bible says. We must trust in God and do good, not trust in God and carry on with our lives um, and, and how we wish to live and hope that our good works will get us through life. We know that's not good enough, is it? Our good works aren't good enough. We must trust in God and do his will. Uh, I found a verse in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Let me read it out to you. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may click to him, for he is the life and strength of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord has sworn to your fathers. That's amazing, isn't it? Trust that the Lord, your God, you may obey his voice, and that you can cling to him. That's amazing, isn't it, that we can cling to God. We can, we can choose life in him through Christ Jesus, who lived the perfect life that, for, for each and every single one of us, so that we might live. <clears throat> Psalm 62 verse 8 says, Trust in him at all times. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Isaiah 40.11 says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms, and he carries them close to his heart. How amazing is that, that we are his sheep, and he carries us close to his heart. Trust in God, and it is promised that we will be looked after and provided for, in the King James Version, it says we will be verily fed. It isn't, uh, I'm not here talking today about prosperity gospel. I'm not here to say that you're going to have a, a wonderful life by trusting in God. You're not going to have a mansion to live in and, and loads of money. It says that here that you will be provided for. We will have enough to get by. Genesis 28:20. 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way, that I am going, I give and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. It's there, that is Jacob saying that the Lord will, if the Lord will feed him, then he will be my God. And I'm sure the Lord feeds every single one of us, doesn't he? We've all got clothes to wear, and I'm sure we've all got food in the fridge. And that's enough for us. If we're not... If we're, um, it's enough for us here whilst we wait for him to return. And secondly, we delight in the Lord. Verse 4 says, delight in the Lord. Now the word translated delight comes from a root word which means to be brought up in luxury or to be pampered. That's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> delight, to be in luxury and to be pampered. It speaks of the abundance of the blessings we have in the Lord. In Jesus Christ, we have all God's treasures and we don't need anything else. We must make God our heart's desire. We must not only depend on God, but also comfort ourselves in him. We must be pleased and rejoice in the very fact that there is a God. And not only a God, but our God, our Heavenly Father, who looks down from above and who guides us. 
We must do good, then follow this with delighting in him. Which is a privilege rather than a duty, isn't it? It's a privilege to come here and worship him, the one and only creator. It says in verse 4, the second part of verse 4, he shall give you the desires of your heart. He's not promised to give you the desires of this world um, or the desires of our flesh. You know, a nice car, loads of friends, a decent, you know, a, a high position in a job. He's promised to give us the, the desires of our heart, all the cravings of our soul. What is the desire of a good person? What's the desire of the heart of a, of a good person? It's to know and to love and to live God, to please him and to be pleased in him. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. The desires of our hearts will, def- will direct our paths in life and lead us to our eternal destinations. If we desire God and trust in his faithfulness, we have a good eternal destination to look forward to. If we trust in our own ways and our money, our career, or what our group of friends might be saying to us, then our eternal destination may not be what God wants for us. Lots of people say they have their own beliefs. I see it, we hear it, we hear it on the doors all the time. Oh yeah, I've heard that before. Um, I have my own beliefs, I have my own ways. But the trouble is, the person next door have their own beliefs and their own ways. And one of us has to be right and one of us has to be wrong. And the simple truth is obvious, yet it's, not, it's often neglected. For many of us, life is busy. Our daily lives are busy with family and work and other distractions. Rich prayed the other day at our um, Wednesday night prayer meeting. Um, it was quite good. He said that uh, most of us have eight hours work. All right, some people make nine or ten hours. I'm not going to argue about that. And then we have maybe eight hours sleep. And what do we do with the other eight hours? Um, obviously, there's different things we have to sort out in our lives. But of those eight hours or seven or six hours, how much time do we spend with God? How much time do we spend in his word? It's, I, I know it's not easy. <laughs> I'm not saying we should be spending eight hours a day reading our Bibles. It's not that easy, is it? But our daily lives can be a battleground, can't they? That can easily hijack our spiritual lives and our spiritual growth. How, how do we navigate around these distractions of a fallen world and faithfully follow Jesus? The key is in and with our heart desires. Some religious people, uh, they think about abstaining from things like food, sleep, and even sex as a, a, a way to a good spiritual life, which is uh, unbiblical as these are God's gifts to us if they're used properly and according to his will. I often say when I'm out preaching, we're not here to talk about being religious, we're here to talk about a relationship that we can have with God, and that's what we were doing yesterday in town. We were talking to people about a relationship that we can have with God. Sometimes rules can get in the way of our relationships and they can cause problems. So these religious rules, uh, rather than biblical thinking, can get in the way of a good relationship with God. How do we know our heart's desires are right with God? What is the biblical view of desire? Scriptures show us that desire is not all evil, but can be good or bad, depending if it's God-centred or self-centred. God made us to be desirable creatures. 
His intention was for our desires to be focused on him and focused on his will. We see in the story of Adam and Eve, um, they gave in to the temptation. They wanted to be like God. This gave birth to sin and the desires to fulfill their self-centered desire rather than God's desire, which left them with a, a God-shaped hole in their hearts, which couldn't be filled with their worldly desire. But God, in his mercy, he did not leave them. He hasn't left us in complete darkness. We are made in his image, which means there's a God-shaped hole in our hearts. Non-Christians are left searching for that something, and they try to fill this hole with worldly things. Hundreds of years ago, people tried to fill the hole with um, stone and wooden images. They'd worship the gods. Nowadays, people go after success or power or careers, possessions, pleasure, fame, peace, security and happiness. Whatever the substitute may be, it usually takes over our lives until they eventually find God. Um, I'm sure we've all seen... Let's get rid of those. Uh, the quote from, Dwight, from Jim Carrey, a very famous man, very successful man. And he said this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they dreamed of so that they can see that it's not the answer. What a shame that is, isn't it? That there's many rich and famous people, successful people, who have got all the, all the worldly things they need, but yet they're still missing something. Um, I did see a YouTube clip about Jim Carrey, just a short one or two minutes long, and he did share about um, his, his belief in Jesus and, and how Jesus can forgive. So I, I'm hoping that he does know the Lord as his saviour. So the, the biblical view of our heart's desire is, as Christians, our heart's desire should be God and to be doing his will, to be telling others about him and to be telling others about his great love. And to also to be spending time with him. I'm sure we have a desire to see people saved. And we must continue in prayer for them faithfully. Trusting that God will save them. God is an inviting God. He says, come and you may have everlasting life. Our believing souls should thirst for God. Our initial heart's desire is God's grace and love. But in time, we should desire much deeper and a much intimate relationship with him. I found some uh, verses in Psalm. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on his, the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Another one I've seen, I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. Do we thirst for him? Do we, do we desire to, to be more like him? As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? We should, we should, um, we should and we do, as Christians, we thirst for Jesus, for more of him in our lives. And then thirdly, we should commit our way, commit your way to the Lord. It says so in verse 5 and 6. And verse 5, when we commit our ways to the Lord, he will help you. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. When you wake in the morning, speak to him about what you might be facing in the day coming up. And ask him to go before you. Maybe you're worried about something, he wants to hear from you. 
we should come to him and say, I'm worried about something that's going on during the day, Lord. Can you help me? Refer to it, to God, leave it to him, and by his wise and good providence, to put it in order and dispose of all our concerns as he pleases. We must do what he has asked and then leave it to him with full satisfaction that all is well that God does. Verse 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of our lives. Verse 24 says, Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. We can say to the Lord, Please help me through today. Let me feel your presence as you hold me by your hand. How amazing is that? The Lord holds us by our hand. Verse 34 says, put your hope in the Lord, travel steadily in his path. He will honour you by giving you his land. And be still in the presence of the Lord. That's our fourth point. Be still in the presence of the Lord. As Kevin's already mentioned this, this morning, that we should be still within him, in his presence more often. The verb still or be still describes a calm surrender to the Lord. Sitting in silence is a rare thing nowadays, isn't it? Especially if you've got noisy children or, or busy lives. Even in church services, sometimes we, we have a, a silence and, and, and sometimes we don't like it. Maybe we're worried about falling asleep or, or you know, we should be doing something. We feel like we should be doing something, don't we, when it's, when it's quiet. We feel like we need to fill the, fill the gap. Some people can't tolerate silence. A silent TV or a silent radio turns us, leads us to switch over to find something else. I find when I'm driving, I'll, I'll be driving along and I'll be thinking about things and praying and I'll see, oh, my radio's not on and I'll turn it on. I don't see why I don't need it on. I don't really enjoy listening to the radio, but I'll just put it on because the car's quiet. But unless we learn to wait patiently and silently before God, we will struggle to experience his peace. When we're silently and wait patiently, even when people take advantage of us, that's what it says in verse 7. When we are silent and wait patiently, even when people take advantage of us. Verse 9 says, but those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him. These things will help us in our relationship with God and help us to become more like his son. To walk every day with him and through him, he will be glorified. And our main goal at the end of it all, one day we may hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. How amazing that would be. So just to finish... It would be a, a nice reminder to pray for the wicked, as it says in this verse. There are people that don't believe in God. There are people that haven't heard about God. And there's people that ignore him and what he has to offer. So let's remember to pray for those who don't know him. And trust that the Lord will reveal himself to them. Let's remember to trust, to delight, to commit and to be still in the Lord. Thank you.